All right, thanks. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can gather together uh, in this way. Father, would you please give us your spirit now as we turn to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the questions I'm often asked as a pastor is, how can I know God's will for my life? What is it? How do I discover it? How can I follow it? Well, that's what makes the text in front of us incredibly helpful as it addresses some of these questions. We're looking at Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15, which has a lot to say about how God leads and what his will is for our lives. And it does so in a profoundly helpful way because what we don't have in front of us is a prescription or a formula. Just do this, this, and this, and you will find and follow God's will. No, what we have is a description, a case study of the Apostle Paul himself trying his best to follow God's will for his life and finding it at times confusing, at times to be a bit of a struggle, but in the end to be something that God was very deliberately orchestrating for an incredibly amazing purpose. And so this is very helpful for us today because it's often in these same ways that God chooses to make his will known today. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on your screen. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district in, uh, of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. All right, what do we see here? We see Paul and his companions doing a lot of traveling through what amounts to be modern day Turkey. And what Bible scholars tell us is that this was Paul's second missionary journey. He would go on a total of three. And what was he doing on these missionary journeys? What was his purpose? Well, our text tells us in verses 6, 10, and 14. He was preaching the word. He was preaching the gospel. And he had a message that he was sharing. Here's the first principle we see here right off the bat when it comes to finding and following God's will. God's will will always be connected to his gospel. It's always going to be connected to helping people come to know and grow in Jesus. And if you've been a part of this series that we've been going through the book of Acts, we're still the church. You know this, right? It goes all the way back to the first chapter of Acts where Jesus gave his commissioning to the church then and today when he said, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses ultimately to the ends of the earth. We're called to be his witnesses, help people come to know and grow in Jesus. 
My dad, who was a pastor for many years, uh, now retired, uh, made this observation from the scriptures. He sees that the scriptures teach more or less a two-phase calling in our lives when it comes to following God's will. Phase one is at the higher level. Phase one is kind of the more general direction and, and purpose for our lives related to how we can be a part of helping people come to know and grow in Jesus. For Paul, that happened a few chapters back in Acts 9, when Jesus said of Paul, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. There it is. The high-level calling for Paul was to not just share the gospel, but to share the gospel with an emphasis to the Gentiles, that is to the non-Jews, which was a big deal back then because essentially up until that point, it was just Jews coming to know Jesus. Well, Jesus was going to change all that through working in Paul, his will through Paul. Uh, Sometimes Christians receive a Damascus Road type moment like Paul did in Acts 9. It's incredible. I didn't experience that kind of thing. So how can we know God's will for our lives at the high level, this phase one calling, if, 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 we'll, if we'll keep moving with that terminology? How can we know? Well, what we can't say is, I don't have a clue of what it is. We do know it's going to be related to helping people come to know and grow in Jesus. I would say probably one of the best texts to, considering this for, for your life would be to look at Matthew chapter 25 and Jesus' parable of the talents. You can read this later, but the gist of it is Jesus tells a story of a man going away on a journey who entrusts talents, which was a high unit of currency back then, ex exceedingly high, to his servants who then go off, put it to work, and double it by the time the master returns. There's a lot of celebration, a lot of joy, but there's a real helpful thought there that we're supposed to consider our talents, the way God has given us gifts and ability, the, the resources that he gives us, the resource potential, earning potential, and you know the time, the way we use, all these different things amount to how we can use our lives to follow God specifically in helping people come to know and grow in Jesus. For me, that text was really helpful, understanding my following God's will at this level, because I had wanted a lightning bolt moment. I wanted God to just, you know, you know, you know, clouds part and have a blueprint for my life to send and be like, okay, this is what I do. I didn't experience that. And so part of my story is I was like, okay, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's going into medicine and helping people there. Um, but I quickly learned that going into medicine wasn't for me. And I thought maybe it's going into law. I could see that, you know, industry, you know, that profession being a place where I could use my gifts and maybe help people come to know Jesus and grow in there and just think about platforms that that would be related to that. I learned pretty quickly that wasn't for me either. Well, along the way, I was doing ministry at a church and I found the different things that God had me do would be, you know, they were growing and there was response and people were saying things like, hey, you, you know, you've got a knack for this. And I thought, okay, maybe this is what God's calling me to. And my parents had started churches. So I thought maybe that's part of my story, part of my talent. And so I remember one day praying, God, I don't know if this is the direction you want me to go in, but I'm just going to head in this direction. And if you want to move me in a different calling, if your will is different from my life, have, have at it, but I'm just going to move in this direction, not waiting and then trust that you're going to make it clear to me. And as I moved in that direction, it just seems like God more and more affirmed that. God's high-level calling for you is going to be related to 
his gospel. We don't have to question what God's will is at the high level. It's going to be related to God wanting to help people come to know and grow in Jesus through your life, where you're at, and with the people you're around. So if you're working at Google, people at Google need Jesus. If you're working at Apple, people at Apple need Jesus. People need Jesus at the hospital you're working at. People need Jesus at the school you're teaching at. People need to grow in Jesus at the church at current where you're at. This is what we see here in this text. God, finding and, God, and following God's will is always going to be related to helping it toward his, his gospel, helping people come to know and grow in Jesus. The second thing we see here is that sometimes God leads through blocking our way. Okay, so we've talked about, to use my dad's terminology, phase one of our calling and following, following the will. It's kind of the high level a high direction and purpose of it. But the phase two part of it is more the nuts and bolts and how that actually looks out in a given season of, of us following him. Because Paul knew his high level task for him to share the gospel and to take it with an emphasis to the Gentiles. Well, he was out doing that in modern day Turkey, going all around trying to find some traction, but nothing was working. Look again at verses 6 and 7. Paul and his companion traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Isn't that interesting? God himself was blocking Paul. And let me just ask you, if you were Paul, how would you have felt in that time? I mean, maybe they understood at that point that it was God blocking them. Probably it was more in hindsight that they realized God was blocking them. But either way, you're spending all this time trying to find traction, trying to do what you felt God was calling you to do, and yet finding nothing. Nothing was sticking. I imagine that was probably confusing for them, probably even frustrating um, they could have taken it in stride, but for all we know, they're were pro they were probably just really struggling with this. And keep in mind that all these little regions that they were traveling to, but they were being blocked from entering, was a, was a lot of ground. In fact, it was anywhere between 300 and 500 miles that they were traveling all by foot. And at the end of the day, it was God blocking them. God himself not allowing them to have any effectiveness where they were trying to be effective. Sometime God leads by blocking. You and I might think we know what God wants to accomplish in us and through us and how he wants to do it and where he wants to do it. We might even have big dreams and it's not to say that dreams are, are bad or hopes are, are bad, but in the end it is ultimately God who is wanting to accomplish what he's going to accomplish in us and through us. And what most impresses me about Paul here is that he never gives up. We never see Paul go, you know what? I'm trying to get into this place and God, you're not helping. I'm just, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not, this isn't worth it. Every indication speaks otherwise that Paul understood and lived from this idea that God is God and he was the one following. And that's a great place to be. You know, it makes me think of many people who are now a part of Current and have stories of how they never thought they'd end up in the Bay Area or the Silicon Valley or here at 
current. It was the Bay Area was the last place you thought you would end up, whether because it's really expensive or just because you just never it never occurred to you. But God moved in such ways where you thought you're going to be over there, but it was blocked, and ultimately you ended up here. And I would just say, from the many stories that I know of, of to this effect, I'm so glad that God worked it out the way He worked it out. To think about the friendships that have developed, and think about the ministry partnerships that have developed. It's been a fun, fun ride, and it's been amazing, all because we've been able to call each other family. There are so many of you where where this has been true, and it ended you up here, and it's been amazing that God has brought you here. Often, God leads, or can lead, by blocking. Here are two practical thoughts related to this, this point. One, when you feel blocked, don't lose heart. Because here's the thing, when we feel blocked, when we feel like we're not getting where we want to end up to, uh, to, to be, uh, my goodness, that's hard. And we might even understand kind of at the heart level that ultimately it's going to end up in a better place because that's what God's promises is he's going to lead us for, for even greater things than we would even plan for. We might have that in our minds, but in life practice, we're really living from this is a struggle, this is a pain. And what this text is showing us is don't lose heart. It might be a struggle. It might be confusing, but you can trust the Lord who's going to be moving you in a greater direction. The second practical thought here, when you feel blocked, is practice what I'll call active patience. Practice active patience. Notice again that Paul doesn't run into a roadblock and just give up. He doesn't just go, well, it's clear that God's not moving, so I'm just, I'm done. I'm not going to try anymore. No, instead, Paul just keeps trying. Okay, he's blocking here in Bithynia. I'm going to go try to Mysia. Okay, not Mysia. Let's go to Troas. Let's go up to the province of Asia. Okay, let's, he just kept going, figuring, okay, God is eventually going to open up a door and I'm not going to sit on my hands. Remember again, the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, which again, you can read later. The only servant that got kind of a reprimand from, from the Lord in that, in that parable was the one who just sat on his talent and did nothing. What I would say is if you feel blocked or you feel like you're not unsure what to do, do what you can or know you can be faithful with today where you are. The next principle for finding and following God's will is when you sense God is moving, move, get going. Paul and companions here are trying all that they can to find a breakthrough. They travel through the northern part of modern-day Turkey, then they move about west and ultimately end up on the coast near the Aegean Sea. And it's there that Paul, Paul finally experiences a vision. Probably was a dream. We don't know for sure. But he had, a, he had a vision or a dream of a man standing there from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. That's all. That's all they're given. But that was enough for them to, quote, conclude that God had called them to preach the gospel there. Now, was this for sure a vision of God? Could they have known with absolute certainty that that was you know, a vision and not just a happenstance dream that Paul had? I don't think they could have known with absolute certainty, at least not necessarily. But all the pieces added up. They had been trying their best to figure out what God was calling them to. They knew it was to take the gospel to the Gentiles and figure God was going to make it clear on his timing. And here's a vision. Here's a dream. It might not be of God, but it also could very well be of God. And that's part of what we're called to do. Take the gospel to the Gentiles. The Macedonians are Gentiles. So let's go there. 
As a pastoral sidebar, real quick, I would say if you ever experience a vision type moment uh, with the Lord, which I've heard a couple of experiences of, just talking to a number of you, and I've actually personally experienced my, myself, I would just say if you ever experience a moment like that, take it to um, other Christians who are mature in their faith and just ask them, hey, this is what I experienced. This is a dream I had. I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure it is of the Lord. Can you help me process it and just hear what they say? So for instance, when Cindy and I felt called to start current, we had a bit of a vision type moment where we just figured, oh boy, we can't, we've got to take this seriously. Was this of the Lord? We're not sure. Maybe it was just, you know, just, you know, something we're dreaming up. I don't know. So we just took it to a number of Christians and basically presented it to them. And we had a number of of mature Christian friends all say something to the effect of, hey, given what we know of the scriptures, given what we know of you guys, you and Cindy, given of what we know how God has equipped you for what it seems like you're saying you feel he's calling you into, we can't say this is not of the Lord. We think you, you got to give this a go. And in some senses, we were asking these folks to see if they could convince us not to do it. Um, but sometimes the Lord works in visions or moments like these. And I would just say, if you experience that, take that someone, because sometimes it, it might not be what we expect. And we just need other brothers and sisters to help us work it through. Check out what Paul does next, though. I, I love this. In verse 10, it says, They concluded God was calling them to preach the gospel in, in Macedonia. And then it says, From Troas, we went out to see. Now, notice it's using the third person here, we. That means Luke, the author of Acts, was now with them at this point. They sailed straight to Samothrace. That's a little island between uh, modern-day Turkey and Macedonia. And next we went on to Neapolis. Now here's where it gets really interesting because Neapolis already was a part of Macedonia, which is where God had, with his vision, told them to come to. And yet they don't remain there. They keep going. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony. And listen to this, the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Wait a minute. Why didn't they stay in Neapolis? Neapolis is part of Macedonia, and God had called them to Macedonia so far as they concluded. Why didn't they stay in Neapolis? Why did they keep going on? Well, we're tipped off to this reason when Luke gives their explanation for carrying on to Philippi when he says Philippi was the, quote, leading city in the district of Macedonia. And indeed, Philippi was a very influential city back in that day with a sizable population and strong economy. Undoubtedly, here's what was going on. They were thinking strategically. It's not as if God said, hey, come over to Macedonia and within Macedonia, go to Philippi. He said, come over to Macedonia. And they heard enough to go, okay, let's maximize this. Let's go to the strategically most influential place in Macedonia to Philippi. Here we see a part of finding in God's will, the dance of God moving and our following. I love this in this text. We see the dance of God moving and our following. God, for his part, gave them a vision. Come on over to Macedonia. Preach the gospel here. And Paul and friends took that and figured, okay, let's go. But God didn't tell us exactly where to go, so let's go to the place of greatest impact. And then the next few verses, it says they went out on a Sabbath day 
through the city gates to the river where they expected to find a place of prayer. It's not as if God had told them so far as we could tell from this text, and there's no indication that it's here, that, hey, and when you get to wherever you're going to go, we want you to go outside the city gate and find a place of prayer. No, these are, these are Paul and, and the companions dancing, but God moving and them, them following. I mean, you have to figure as they were coming into the, Phil, the, the Philippian gates, you know, one of the companions said, hey, there's a place of prayer there. We should go check that out later. Maybe that's where we could go on the Sabbath. And all of the rest of them said, okay, sure, let's do that. Then when they went out there, what they do? They began to speak with the women there, which is just incredible. Considering the context, this was, this was written 2,000 years ago when women were considered second-rate citizens at best in those days. The, Paul and his companions went straight to them and shared the gospel with them. It's not like God said, hey, go to the, go to the women or, or, hey, you know, this is how you should do it when you get out there. But they're just like, hey, there's some women. Let's share the gospel with them. And then Lydia comes up a very well-to-do gal, uh, undoubtedly because she was a dealer in purple cloth, which if you know uh, history, uh, you know that peop- uh, purple, purple cloth was, was extremely sought after and extremely expensive, and therefore it uh, must have meant that, that Lydia was, was very well-to-do. She came out, she heard the gospel, and it says in verse 14 that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And Lydia then invited them in, and the Philippian church was launched. A a no small thing. The dance of God moving and our following, Paul following. Did God say, go to these women and share? There's nothing to suggest it. He said, just bring the gospel to Macedonia, and they followed. I love this idea of a dance. Because the reason why I use this illustration of the dance of God moving in our following is to stress that it's that following God's will is not just about the end game. It's not just about the completion of it, but there's a movement along the way. If you think about it this way, God doesn't need us to help people come to know Jesus and grow in him. We, he doesn't need us in that uh, regard, but it's his will to include us in that. And what's our part? Faith and trusting him and and moving along as as he goes. And that's part of what brings God glory. And that's part of what allows us to see his glory. Because when we have to just trust and we say, I think he's leading in that way. And then we see him move. it's, It's an incredible experience that only draws and binds our hearts more intimately to his Faith is an aggravatingly beautiful thing, but it's a beautiful thing because we get to see God move often in spite of ourselves. You know, Paul's plan, Paul's thought was that he was going to end up in Bithynia and the province of Asia, northern Turkey, and that he would start churches there and that things would really get up and going. But God had a different plan for him. It wasn't Paul's plan. But in the end, it was far greater than Paul's plan. Do you know that this account marks the beginning of the gospel taking root in Europe? Lydia, it turns out, would become the first convert of Christianity in Europe, which of course is no small thing when you consider church history, let alone human history. And how did this come about? But for Paul and his companions saying yes to God leading them, to trusting him, to faithfully doing their best, to following him. 
But ultimately, this story is not about Paul following him and his companions so much as it is about God and his work to love the world. And the amazing thing is he includes people like Paul and people like you and me to bring his love through Jesus to the world, his eternal hope. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it following God's will, living for others, loving others, sharing eternal life in Jesus Christ. This is what we want to be about here at Current Church Family, making the difference not only here and now, but impacting eternity. And the amazing thing is God will put opportunities before you and me to join him in what he has going already in front of us in this area. So the question becomes, will you pay attention and say yes to following his lead? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the way that you lead us and you guide us and that you include us to be a part of your plans to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. The gospel of, of your loving the world so much that you sent your son to die for everybody who would receive you for the forgiveness of sins and life forever in his name. Pray if there's anybody here today who has never yet received you, that, they, that this would be the moment that they would put their faith in you now and say, yes, I believe and I receive what you've done for me, Jesus. And Father, for all of us who have received you, I pray that you would help us find and follow your will as it's connected to your gospel. Lord, would you help us be a church that helps many people into, into a, a saving faith relationship with you and help many people grow in their relationship with you, not for our effort or because of our ability, but for your glory and at your moving. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's continue this time in worship now through song. 